the noon report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Good afternoon, and thanks for checking in. A soaking rain is on the way. It'll come in waves this afternoon, tonight, and tomorrow. Western New York weather watcher Mike Saika says that, combined with the snow melt, could create some localized flooding concerns. The good thing about this whole scenario, though, is there's going to be a sizable break and really a lot of rain coming down during the day tomorrow. So we're kind of spacing this out a little bit and hopefully the creeks will be able to handle it. A flood watch is in effect from noon tomorrow through early Saturday in western New York. In Pennsylvania meteorologist Brett Thackera says the flooding should not be as much an issue. Waves of rain this afternoon, tonight, most of the day tomorrow and tomorrow night. I would say a solid half inch to an inch of rain and because it's spread out over several days, even with the snow melt, we're not anticipating too many issues with flooding. Temperatures will exceed 50 degrees by Friday before a cool down to end the weekend. Trump goes two for two. That's the other big story we're following today. Donald Trump cruised to victory in last night's New Hampshire primary. I want to thank everybody. This is a fantastic state. Despite her double-digit loss, Nikki Haley says she's not going anywhere. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy May says it's time for Haley to face reality. Nikki Haley ran a great race. She made it deep into the playoffs, but the playoffs are now over, and it's time to start the Super Bowl. GOP pollster Justin Wallen. She's going to get clobbered in the next couple of primaries. There's no doubt about that. Is she going to win South Carolina? No, she will lose. Haley's home state of South Carolina holds its primary election next month. President Biden got his 2024 campaign off the ground yesterday in Northern Virginia. Are you ready to defend democracy? Are you ready to protect our freedoms? And are you ready to win this election? Democrats plan to make abortion rights the central theme of the president's re-election effort. It was Donald Trump and his Supreme Court who ripped away the rights and freedoms of women in America. And it'll be Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and all of you who are going to restore those rights for the women in America. Since the overturn of Roe, pro-life protections have been enacted in more than 20 states across this country. A Russian military plane with 74 souls aboard crashed to Day north of the Ukrainian border. The aircraft was carrying 65 Ukrainian POWs who were part of a prisoner exchange. No word yet on what caused the crash. Russia claims the plane was shot down. The U.S. military has once again attacked facilities in Iraq that were being used by Iran-backed militants. Reporter Charlie Daggett It's in response to repeated attacks, including one just a few days ago on the Al-Assad airbase in Iraq in a sustained missile and rocket bombardment that injured four U.S. service members. And in Yemen, our fighting forces struck new targets overnight. Those menacing Houthi rebels who've been attacking our ships with regularity in the Red Sea. These were the ninth strikes conducted by American forces against the Houthis in the past two weeks and do come as a report in the Wall 
Street Journal indicates Iran is sending the Houthis missile components and drone jammers to aid their ongoing attacks in the Red Sea. Reporter Trey Yankst. It's a first for capital punishment in this country or anywhere else. A condemned killer in Alabama will be put to death tomorrow by nitrogen gas. If that execution is carried out, Kenneth Eugene Smith would be the first person in the world to die that way. Defense Attorney John Lentine. I can't think of anything as dehumanizing as saying we're going to use you as a human guinea pig, a human lab rat to kill you. We won't use this method to kill a mouse, but we'll try it out on a human being. What does that say about us, about our humanity? Kenneth Eugene Smith survived a botched execution a couple of years ago. He was condemned to die for his part in a murder for hire back in the late 80s. A state of emergency has been declared in Southern California due to days of relentless rain. Reporter Jonathan Vigliotti. Fire crews in San Diego say people were caught off guard. Many were trapped. In fact, we know hundreds needed to be rescued, in some cases using boats. There are some powerful images, in fact, of people being taken out on kayaks to higher ground. That's Jonathan Vigliotti in soaked San Diego today. Texas refusing to remove any razor wire at the border after the Supreme Court said federal agents could cut it down. Governor Greg Abbott says the barrier is necessary to curb the surge in illegal border crossings from Mexico. Nearly 30% of today's students are chronically absent from school. Now, the state of Ohio has proposed paying parents to make sure that doesn't happen. Lydia Hu is with Fox Business. It would pay cash directly to the parents of kindergartners and ninth graders who just show up for school. Here are the details. The state would make biweekly payments of $25 to parents of participating students. Students who kept up a 90% attendance rate for the year would get $150 at the end of each quarter and $500 at the end of the year. Paying kids to go to school in Ohio. How about that? Chronic absenteeism, by the way, is when students miss at least 10% of classes for the academic year. Still to come on the Noon Report, a mid week edition assisted suicide in new york school choice in pennsylvania and the hall calls three more randy has this year's class coming up in sports good afternoon i'm kevin williams it's a rather damp weather story that lies ahead of us over the next couple days and nights i'll have the specifics in the forecast coming up in 10. All right, we'll look forward to that. Thank you very much, Kevin. Let's check the stories making news where you live. Next, all across New York and Pennsylvania, the doctor-assisted suicide debate is front and center once again at the New York State Capitol in Albany. Advocates are calling it medical aid in dying. Critics say assisted suicide is still suicide. Democratic Assemblywoman Amy Pollan has been leading the effort for nearly a decade to legalize doctor-assisted suicide. It's time to get it done for our families, for our loved ones. Uh, New Jersey just got it done. If New Jersey can do it, New York has got to do it. Max Rodriguez with the Center for Disability Rights opposes assisted suicide. Everybody has heard of cases where a doctor could give you a six-month prognosis and that person, you know, could live for another ten years. Ten states currently have assisted suicide laws on the books. Critics 
say assisted suicide leads to an increase in the overall suicide rate and can lead to elder abuse as well. In upstate New York, about an hour's drive north of Albany, 66-year-old Kevin Monahan has been convicted of second-degree murder. It's for the fatal shooting of a 20-year-old woman who was in an SUV that pulled into his driveway by mistake last April. Assistant District Attorney Christopher Morris. Kevin Monahan pulled the trigger of his 20-gauge shotgun twice. It did not go off on its own. Monahan now faces a possible life in prison sentence. Students and parents rallied for school choice yesterday in Harrisburg. Ann Clark heads up the Pennsylvania Coalition of Charter Schools. I don't agree that a child should be stuck in a failing school district because of their zip code. It's important for parents to have a say in their children's education. That's June Popove, and she's the parent of a privately educated student near the state. Capital. For those who are seeking alternative options, they should be able to, to have that. Chris Lilienthal with the State Education Association says it's important to focus on public schools first. What we want to focus on is making sure that the vast majority of students, the 1.7 million Pennsylvania students who attend uh, Pennsylvania public schools, that they have the resources their schools need for them to be successful. School choice will be a major issue in this year's legislative session in Harrisburg. Governor Shapiro says he supports it, but then he vetoed a school choice bill out of the state budget last summer. Parents in Newfane, New York, are outraged after the woman they say abused their children at a local daycare will perform community service instead of going to jail. Here's what a couple of angry moms told WIVB-TV in Buffalo. It's insanity. At the end of the day, when you think about it, community service for child abuse is unacceptable. This was physical abuse. It wasn't that they were just mean to our children. They hit our kids. One of the defendants, 22-year-old Victoria Stanton, was sentenced Tuesday to 100 hours of community service. Two other workers at that daycare, the Sweet Angels Daycare in Newfane, are also accused of endangering the welfare of a child. Pennsylvania Attorney General Michelle Henry is suing a Lancaster County farm that's become the subject of a foodborne illness outbreak. Miller's Organic farm in bird in hand accused of violating pennsylvania's milk sanitation law as well as the state's food safety act that farm was raided earlier this month by officials with the state agriculture department the farm's been linked to e coli cases in michigan and new york professional midwives are lobbying for legislation that would give them the right to practice in new york certified midwife melissa carmen this legislation is our chance to transform the trajectory of maternal health care in our state. Republican State Senator Jake Ashby says midwives solve a lot of problems in health care these days. Because of the staffing shortage that we need, but also because even if there wasn't a staffing shortage, this just makes sense. Advocates argue the legislation to allow certified professional midwives would cut down on infant mortality rates, especially in minority communities where access to health care is hard. There's women who don't have anywhere to go. They have no services available. They travel two and a half to three hours just to get prenatal care. 
20 New York counties are currently labeled as maternity health care deserts. Clarion University is selling its campus in Venango County, Pennsylvania. Penn West has seen its enrollment dip by 80% in recent years. There are currently only 75 students at that school. The school plans to transfer ownership of the property to a not-for-profit company with the hopes that it can reinvigorate that 65-acre campus. Flags are flying at half-staff today on all government buildings in New York. Family Life's Dee Haley tells us why. New York State Parks employee Aaron Peters was killed on the job in Niagara County last week. Peters worked as a member of the Regional Ropes Access Team and Sawyer Crew for the past three years. He was killed last Wednesday while working on tree removal at Golden Hill State Park. Governor Hochul stated the tragic death reminds us that New York State employees often put themselves in harm's way while working to improve the safety of their fellow citizens and colleagues. Governor Hochul announced flags on state buildings will be flown at half-staff today in honor of Aaron Peters. Dee Haley, Family Life News. Thank you very much, Dee. Yesterday's fatal crash involving a city bus in Buffalo remains under investigation. The Niagara Frontier Transportation Authority says that bus was traveling southbound on Fillmore Avenue when a car coming in the other direction spun out of control and hit it. The driver of the car died. Four people on the bus were injured. New York City is counting the homeless. Correspondent Marla Diamond. The count will include migrants sleeping on city streets. Deputy Mayor Ann Williams Isom. Traditionally, since we started this in 2005, the numbers have been about 3,500 to 4,000. So I am interested to see if we see anything different. The findings are reported to the federal government. Meanwhile, the mayor responded to critics who have called the administration's new limited shelter stay rules an eviction. We have created rooms for people to wait in. We have done everything to accommodate to say, here's what possible. The mayor added, if migrants are sleeping on the streets, it's by choice. Marla Diamond with that report from New York City today. Let's switch gears next. Talk sports. It's the two-minute drill on the Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon. I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, the Sabres were in Anaheim last night and the Ducks put it to them 4-2. to two. Jordan Greenway and Kyle Ocpozo scored for Buffalo, but they dropped their second straight game. The Rangers were also out west and they blew a 2-0 lead and fell in overtime to San Jose 3-2. Adam Fox and Artemi Panarin scored for the Blue Shirts. The Vegas Golden Knights were in New York to take on the Islanders and the Knights picked up their fourth win in their last five games, 3-2 over the Isles. New York has now dropped five of their last six. In Philadelphia, the Flyers got smoked by the Lightning 6-3. Also skating to wins, the Senators, Stars, Wild, Blues, and Oilers. On to the NBA, the Knicks won their fourth straight game coming from behind to beat the Nets 108-103. New York's two main guns led the way again as Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson both scored 30 points in the victory. Denver knocked off the Pacers 114-109. The Pelicans went on an offensive tear and thumped the Jazz 153-124. The Trailblazers lost to the Thunder 111-109. And in a battle of Los Angeles, the Clippers came out on top of the Lakers 
127 to 116. Major League Baseball has announced its latest inductees to the Hall of Fame. Third baseman Adrian Beltre, catcher Joe Maurer, and first baseman Todd Helton. Both Beltre and Maurer were first ballot selections. The induction ceremony will be on July 21st in Cooperstown. That is a look at sports. All right, can't wait for baseball. Thank you, Randy. And still to come on the Noon Report, Trump notches another victory, helping kids control their emotions. And wet and mild, our weather watchwords this Wednesday. Kevin Williams has your forecast after this. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. One feature of American life for some time now is that women, as a group, tend to fall to the left of men politically. Now, one factor behind this striking divide in politics between the sexes is the left's obsession with condemning the so-called patriarchy or toxic masculinity. Many young men hear this as a condemnation of their very existence. Similarly, the leftward lurch among women could have something to do with the perception that abortion is only a women's issue and the increasingly hysterical warnings that restricting abortion in any way is the equivalent of subjecting women to handmaid's tale type reproductive slavery. As entering marriages and creating families becomes more and more rare, it's little wonder so many who historically would have looked for protection and provision from the home are now instead looking for it from Washington, D.C. In other words, the wedges that radical feminism, the sexual revolution, and the breakdown of the family have driven between the sexes are most likely the main reason for this growing political divide. Women and men were created for one another, not just to build families, but to build societies. Since each sex is indispensable, both in their own ways will become lost when isolated. The Apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians, quote, Woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman and all things are from God. So instead of pointing fingers at one another like Adam and Eve did after the fall, we should instead take this emerging political divide as clear evidence that without our oldest and most important mediating institution, the family, society will unravel. A nation in which the sexes are at war is a house divided against itself at the most fundamental level. And such a house simply cannot stand. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Shane Morris. And for more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org. Thank you, John. Outside we go next, meteorologist Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast. The Arctic air has departed in a rather damp and relatively mild pattern is ahead for the next couple days and nights. For this afternoon, it will be cloudy. And that cloud cover will linger tonight with areas of rain, drizzle, and fog. High temperatures today in the 40s, low tonight in the 30s. Tomorrow, cloudy, a little spotty rain or drizzle. High temperatures mostly in the 40s. And we'll have rain or rain showers on Friday with high temperatures in the 40s to near 50. All right, Kevin, thank you. 50 sounds nice. This is the Noon Report. I'm your host, Bob Price. Lots happening Wednesday, the 24th of January. Despite her loss to Donald Trump in last night's New Hampshire primary, GOP presidential candidate Nikki Haley says she's going nowhere. Most Americans do not want a rematch between Biden and Trump. The first party to retire its 80-year-old candidate is going to be the party that wins this election. 
Trump, who's two for two in nominating contests this year, says when it comes to electability, he's your guy. We've won almost every single poll in the last three months against Joe Biden. Almost every poll. And she doesn't win those polls. Let's not have somebody take a victory when she had a very bad night. She had a very bad night. But Haley says Trump cannot be trusted to seal the deal come November. The worst kept secret in politics is how badly the Democrats want to run against Donald Trump. The former president is confident he does not need to lure Nikki Haley voters back into the Trump tent. Joe Biden, says Trump. We'll do that for him. We are going to win this. We have no choice. If we don't win, I think our country is finished. I do. I believe our country is finished. President Biden kicked off his 2024 campaign in Northern Virginia last night. He's making the abortion issue front and center in his campaign. Donald Trump is betting he won't vote on this issue. But guess what? He's betting we won't hold him responsible either for taking away the rights. He's betting you're going to stop caring. Abortion, immigration, and the economy were the top three issues cited by voters in last night's New Hampshire primary. A Russian plane carrying Ukrainian prisoners of war crashed today north of Ukraine. Correspondent Molly Hunter. Russian state media reported this morning that a Russian military aircraft on a scheduled flight crashed in Belgorod. That's a western region close to the Ukrainian border. According to Russian defense officials, the plane was carrying 65 captured military personnel, Ukrainian POWs, as well as nine other people. Now, no official cause of the crash has been released yet. Russia claims the aircraft was shot down. All of those POWs were Ukrainian soldiers. U.S. and coalition forces continue to swat back at Iran-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen who've turned crucial Red Sea shipping lanes into a shooting gallery. So far, uh, our initial assessments are that we had good effects, uh, but we'll continue to assess going forward. Again, the goal here is to disrupt and degrade their ability to conduct these kinds of attacks going ahead in the future. Pentagon spokesman Pat Ryder says despite the retaliatory U.S. strikes, he expects more Houthi attacks on shipping targets in the Red Sea. We do know that the Houthis maintain capabilities, additional capabilities, uh, and would not be surprised if we see other attacks in the future. But what we're, what we're doing here is putting a cost on those attacks. Also overnight, U.S. forces struck Iran-backed targets inside of Iraq. The U.S. Senate is looking at the use of artificial intelligence when it comes to law enforcement. A judiciary subcommittee hearing from experts today on how AI is assisting police and could be used in criminal investigations. There's new research to pass along today when it comes to the safety of child booster seats. 47 of 54 seats Tested by the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety got top ratings. None failed. Vice President Jessica Dramakian has seen steady improvement. The booster manufacturers have really figured out how to design the lap and shoulder belt guides so that they provide good belt fit across a range of children. Dramakian says children 4 to 8 are half as likely to sustain an injury in a crash if they're in a booster seat. Jeff Gilbert, Detroit. Three former Major League Baseball stars have been selected for enshrinement in 
to the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, and Joe Maurer make up the class of 2024. Beltre had 477 home runs over 21 seasons. Helton put up big hitting stats for the Colorado Rockies, and Maurer, a Twins catcher, is the youngest living Hall member at age 40. Correspondent Steve Kaif and those three will be joined by World Series winning manager Jim Leland for the induction ceremony on July 21st. A broadcasting pioneer has died. The Osgood file. This is Charles Osgood on the CBS Radio Network. Charles Osgood, who died yesterday, had a way with words. Someday in the future we'll remember back when and tell of the blizzard of 2010. Whether it was through rhyme or turn of phrase, Osgood informed and entertained. I've never thought of myself as a television guy who does some radio. I've always thought of myself as a radio guy who does some television. His was a familiar voice and face. Good morning. I'm Charles Osgood, and this is Sunday Morning. Sunday Morning was his TV home for two decades, but it was Osgood's reassuring voice on the radio that we will remember the most. I'm Charles Osgood. I'll see you on the radio. Charles Osgood, the man who made bow ties cool, dead at 91. You're listening to the Noon Report, a Wednesday edition on the Family Life Radio Network. We want to teach our children to negotiate their emotions, and what better way to do that than by looking to Scripture. And that's what we'll be doing today here on Family Life's Inside Out, where we look at how God transforms His people from the inside out. I'm Martha Manikas Foster, and my guest today is Courtney Reisig, author of the recent Gospel Coalition article, Use the Psalms to Teach Kids About Feelings. So, Courtney, what are the pitfalls parents gravitate toward when it comes to their children's emotions? I think there's two kind of common pitfalls that we fall into as parents when it comes to navigating their emotions. I think one of the things that we we see often is that we want to protect them from hard things. We fall into that pitfall in that we protect them too much. We don't allow them to experience the reality of living in a broken world and then learn how to handle that while they're in our home and under our roof. I think another thing that we do is we don't shield them from those hard things, but when they experience hard things, we discourage them from expressing emotion, so we mm-hmm. want to suppress it. So I think we always fall into kind of two, two ends of a spectrum, so we either want to protect them too much from experiencing hard things, or we don't want them to feel or express those hard things when, when life happens, and we all probably know which one we fall into. Mm-hmm. I think we would all agree that feelings are complex. We really do want mm-hmm. children to be able to express them in a healthy way. You believe the Old Testament book of Psalms can help us show that feelings are good things. So how do you say that the Psalms do that? Yeah, so the Psalms are poetry. Poetry tends to, like songs, speak from a place of emotion and speak from a place of feeling. So it takes uh, real human experiences and then puts words to that. And, and the Psalms are corresponding to real historical events that we can read about uh-huh. in, in the historical books, like First and Second Samuel, and they're written from Moses all the way through King David and even through the exile. And so what we realize is that the Psalms are filled with so much emotion. You've got questions of how long will you forget me? Or like where Psalm 88 tells us that darkness is our only friend and they feel like everyone, including God, has forgotten them. Mm-hmm. And so the Psalms speak to very real feelings and very real emotions. And that that's helpful to us because... God created us to feel things, and then He's given us a whole book of the Bible that teaches us how to navigate those feelings and to express those feelings back to God. And I say back to God because if you notice in the Psalms, 
many of them are prayers or songs Mm -hmm. that we sing back to God. And so we take all of our feelings and all of our emotions, and then we move them towards the only one who can do anything with what we're feeling. Mm. Right. You say that we have a model in the Psalms for sharing feelings along with others, with with groups of people. How can that be helpful to children when they're learning to navigate their feelings? Yeah, so we're not Lone Rangers, and so God created us to be in community with Him, obviously, but also with one another. Mm -hmm. And so the home is is a child's first community. And so we're teaching our children how to learn how to express and be human beings and grow into fully functioning adults. They learn that here, and so they learn how to express their feelings and their emotions and a whole host of things of how to live in community while they're in our home. One of the things that we can do with our children that's helpful is recognizing first that they're image bearers, that they're created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, they have feelings like we have feelings. They experience the world like we experience the world. They experience heartache and disappointment and struggle mm-hmm. and pain and anger. And so allowing them space to be able to say, I'm really disappointed about that. And mm-hmm. then asking what we can do with that feeling. And so the Psalms are helpful for us in that we, we're taking our children to the scriptures and saying, you're sad over the transition that we're walking through. And so God's people have been walking through transition for a long time or envy. So Psalm 73 speaks specifically about envy. And you can Mm -hmm. say, I look at that person over there and they're getting all the things that I want. Mm. Well, the psalmist felt that way too. And so taking your children to Psalm 73 and saying, why are the wicked prospering? Why is he getting everything when I'm not getting anything? Mm. And then seeing that only when we go into the sanctuary of God, only when we take our request to God and see his purposes in the world, can we make any sense that he's the only one we should desire. And so I think first and foremost, just making it okay to talk about how Mm. you feel Mm. and giving them space for that, I think is huge because a lot of the times we fall into those pitfalls because we weren't given those spaces as a child. And mm-hmm. as we grow into adulthood, we, we feel like we have to suppress our feelings because we were never taught how to express them rightly. How have you helped children to learn to respect feelings but not always trust them? You know, there's the, the ditch on both sides of the road here. How oh, do we right, right. drive yeah. down the middle? I think going back to letting Scripture interpret Scripture and so remembering what is true. And so helping our children see that You might feel like he doesn't care about you, Mm -hmm. but he can't not care about you. Helping them to see what are these true, unchanging realities about who God is and how he works in the world, and then how do our feelings line up against it. And I also think it's really important to have patience with our children. We want them mm-hmm. to get this immediately, and, and they won't and they, any more than we will. Mm-hmm. And having patience with them that it takes time. That is Bible teacher Courtney Rice again. How to help your children understand better their emotions. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. Well, the Arctic air has departed and a rather damp and relatively mild pattern is ahead for the next couple days and nights with a few rounds of rain, drizzle and fog. It'll turn chillier again over the weekend. We'll have to watch for some snow possibilities come Sunday. In the meantime, for this afternoon, it will be cloudy and that cloud cover will linger tonight with areas of rain, drizzle and fog. High temperatures today in the 40s, low tonight in the 30s. Tomorrow, cloudy, a little spotty rain or drizzle. High temperatures mostly in the 40s, and we'll have rain or rain showers on Friday with high temperatures in the 40s to near 50. Okie doke. Thank you, Kevin. Finally at noon, being the best at being the worst. Picking the winner in this contest turned into a real ugly decision, says Family Life's Brian Quarry. Kathleen Murray lives in Tasmania, an island state of Australia. Kathleen was just given the prestigious honor of having 
the world's ugliest lawn. This unique competition originated in Sweden two years ago, and this year the competition went global for the first time. The judges deliberated over many hideous yet commendable entries from all over the world before declaring Kathleen the winner. The top prize? An exclusive pre-owned t-shirt. When she found out there was an award for the ugliest lawn in the name of water conservation, she jumped at it. It means I will no longer maybe have to make excuses for why my lawn looks like this. Kathleen has no plans to change a thing. With soil drier than an outback creek bed, weeds waist high, and sand you can sink your toes into, this is one case where ugly became something pretty beautiful. Brian Query, Family Life News. All right, Brian, thank you very much. And just like that, folks, we are out of time. That's the world we live in Wednesday, the 24th of January, 2024. I'm Bob Price. Family Life News. You've been listening to the news. Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.